Hello, welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, hosted by me, Jack Perks. Professionally, I'm a wildlife cameraman, but I dabble in podcasting, and each Tuesday we release an episode as I have a chat with scientists, artists, filmmakers, and passionate people all about nature in a light-hearted and certainly not serious way. Hello and welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks. Now in today's episode, I'm speaking to Dominic Garnett. He is an angling author, a journalist, and someone I've known for many, many years. I've been looking for an excuse to get him on the pod for ages, so it was great to head down to Exeter and have a good old chinwag about all things angling. Now before we do that, I'm going to mention our buymeacoffee.com Many of you who are regular listeners will be thinking, oh bloody hell, here he goes again. But it's how I fund the pod. So if you can spare a couple of pounds, it is really appreciated. I like to try and keep the podcast independent. By keeping it independent, it means that I can say and I can do whatever the fuck I want. When you start working with sponsors, you have to kind of rein yourself in a little bit. So if you want me to keep waffling on and talking bollocks like I normally do, sponsoring me on Buy Me A Coffee helps massively. I'm trying to get to a target of £1,000, and if you go on the Buy Me A Coffee link in the description, you can see how we're getting on. I think it was about 13% last time. And once I get to that pile of jackpot, if you like, then I can start doing some more interesting podcasts. Now, once you donate, you can also leave a comment. So I'm going to read out one of the comments from someone who's donated. So this is from Bob. If you could call my mate Mike a shit cunt on the podcast, he'd like that. Something like, Bob says Mike's a shit cunt. Anyway, I've been listening for a long time and thought it's about time I gave you something back to thank you. So, um, you know, that very lyrical and and lovely message was from Bob. I'm guessing you're Australian because I think shit cunt's an Australian thing. Um, But there you go. That's the sort of stuff you can leave. Whatever you fancy. It can just be a simpler thank you or you can call your mate a cunt. Whatever you want to do, I'll read it out. I don't care. As long as I'm paid, I'll read any old bollocks out. Anyway, let's get back on to today's episode. So we've got Dom Garnet. I popped down to Exeter. The way that this podcast came about is I literally messaged him the night before, said, I'm in Exeter, fancy coming on the pod. Dom was up for it. We had a fantastic chat. Dom is very, very passionate about what he does. He's probably best known for fly fishing for coarse fish, but he's got lots of other feathers to his bow. So here we are. Here's the chat between me and Dom. Dom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jack. It's good to see you. We are hunched in your office on a wet day in Exeter, and it's it's an extension of yourself, isn't it? We've got lures everywhere. We've got a, a, a giant lure behind you that could choke a donkey. It's enormous. Yeah, this is it's like the contents of my mind, really. It's semi, it's semi tidy today, but there's all sorts of stuff. There's lures and fly toy equipments and um, a bit of musical stuff, and yeah, I'd be I'd be skeptical of someone whose office was too tidy. Absolutely. It's like people with really nice, tidy writing, isn't it? Mm. Beautifully readable, but they've never got anything to say normally. No. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because I write like a four-year-old, uh, four-year-old chimp or something. I'm terrible, so that's, uh, that's great. We we were talking earlier, and I was trying to think, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but like, how did you get into what you do? And actually, what do you do for people who don't know? Because I, I would call you an angling writer. Is that fair? or? Yeah, that's that's the mainstay. So I... I I work about three days a week for the Angling Times, 
people have read a column and um, yeah, do news and features and that sort of stuff. And the rest of the time is divided between a whole load of other stuff. So I run a, like a little website and shop. I, I do a lot of guiding and coaching. Yeah. So a lot, lots of fly fishing, but also course fishing and a bit of sea. So it's like it's difficult making making earning your crust out of just one thing in fishing. I, the the short answer is is complicated. <laughs> so there's various strands. I suppose when you think of fishing, because so many people have it as a hobby, there must be relatively few that can say like it's their job to go fishing. It's an extension of fishing, I suppose, isn't it? Like you're a you're a tackle ambassador, or you're yeah, a, indeed, indeed. I, I think there's a bit of a myth around this. People have this idea like oh, so and so gets paid to go fishing. Well. None of us do, even the, even the really lucky ones who, who earn their living through fishing. It always involves other skills, you know, writing about it, filming yeah. it, promoting it, coaching other people. In fact, the best way, anyone listening to this who, who thinks, oh, I really would fancy a go being a professional angler, well, the best route into that is really coaching and guiding other people's big demand and not often not a lot of coaches in some areas. So, Do you not have to be quite good to do You do, that. you do, yeah. You, you need experience, in, you know, if people are paying you for their time, they're paying yeah. for you for your local knowledge, and so you know, expect results. Like, what what happens if you take someone fishing and um, they don't catch anything, or is it more more experience there after or fish? It's kind of both, really. Yeah. I, I guess the the short answer is that, that you know they don't always catch anything, but they'll always get something out of the day. So, yeah. for example, somebody comes learning how to fly fish for a particular species or a particular venue, even if it doesn't fish very well or they're, or they're not very good, they'll they'll leave knowing a lot more than they started out with at the, the beginning of the day. That's so. yeah. I think that's interesting because it's kind of similar to what I do with photography workshops in that I always tell people we're not necessarily going to get great pictures today, but you'll learn something about photography today, whether it's a new skill or technique. Or yeah, that's right. Like that. Some days it is just rock hard. Yeah. You know, or, or somebody isn't quite... Now, a classic example is you get to a river in the middle of summer and it's, oh, brilliant, it looks beautiful, but can be really hard not to spook fish when the water's yeah, very yeah, yeah. clear. Of course, yeah. But that in itself, you know, so, someone will learn quite a lot just from the way you approach. In, in some ways, that that's the best testing ground of all, isn't it? If, it? if it is a tough day, then... And they're still catched, then they know that you're doing yeah. something. Because we've been fishing... How long, how long have we known each other now? It's been bloody ages, hasn't it? It's Probably... Been... 10 years it could be something like something that because like that. that was I was thinking about this the other day it's all chance wasn't it we were BFFI wasn't it yeah British Fly Fair because we would we just happened to have a stall next to each other we did yeah. and I was just like oh who's, who's that and we just got talking bollocks indeed we, um, yeah as we often do and uh, that's when you were working on were you just starting your you're hooked on fish. I uh, was so that it would it would have been exactly ten years ago. Actually, I'd have just mm. done the book fly fishing for coarse fish, and I booked yeah. a stand at the show to promote it. I had a talk or something. That's and right. Yeah. I bought I bought a big frame with all of the different flies for different coarse fish, and I started going just to promote the book. But I kept going because just other stuff happened. You yeah. know, um, started working a bit with Turrell and designing some flies for them wrote some other books etc so yeah haven't been a little while really since being a dad really yeah you got with a little kid but can't get your priorities straight I mean, i'm going next year i think because i haven't been for three or four years since COVID. yeah i, I need start. to get back to it's a great event it's, it's a good crack yeah, yeah I mean, the only just... thing i found is i'd spend all, all the money i'd made all the <clears throat> the meager money i'd made i'd end up spending on fly gear so i never yeah, made a profit yeah. <laughs> just it is, it is a bit like that. It's like taking your wife to a car boot sale. It's like you get you go to get rid of stuff and you end coming back yeah. with loads of stuff. Mirror or, or just yeah. like, do we need that? Where's that going to go? Oh, it'll go there. Yeah, yeah, bread maker. Just what we, just what I always wanted. <laughs> well, it was good, a good crack. But yeah, it was that hooked on lure fishing, wasn't it? Which um, still pride a place in my 
bookshelf because I did the indeed yeah that was... other bits for it. it was a good yeah there's, good there's some e- there's some episodes from that Jack that are sort of you know that they haven't really been fully explored you probably know what I'm referring to but basically <laughs> me and you we had we had a day shore fishing didn't we which went really well we went to bricks and we had a lovely yeah. rass and you got wet taking some nice pictures I did, of it yeah I got but, ill from that shoot did I tell you that yeah yeah oh I, you got ill yeah because I went in oh. Brixham Harbour and obviously it's pretty man- you know most harbours are manky at the best of times and I had violent diarrhoea oh gosh after- I think you must have under <laughs> played that not not like not with you like it was maybe a day or two later but yeah. i was shitting like you know through the eye of an it was pretty bad it was, <laughs> it was like it a was, picasso painting yeah i mean it was a pretty war-torn <laughs> couple of days in that case because like not not many people know this but the, the, the next day we went out getting some pictures of kayak fishing yeah and it, it, First time it didn't doing that. it didn't fish especially well we went around the sort of Solcombe estuary and around mm. there and it was baking hot we weren't best prepared it was beautiful and it was beautiful yeah, the pictures yeah. looked nice <laughs> yeah. we only caught a couple of measly pollock I think but mm. um, yeah but long story short it was extremely hot we both ended up getting quite burned. I don't think we used any suntan lotion, did we? I, I think I might have done, maybe done the, the classic angler thing and put a bit on my face and just thought, oh, I'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we got home, we, we were both singed, weren't we? And we didn't oh. really have a lot to treat our, <laughs> the damage with. <laughs> we were red as a lobster. Yeah. And I remember your, uh, your very caring wife so I've got like an old Polish remedy. Yeah. Got, was it yoghurt or natural yoghurt? It was natural yoghurt, yeah. We were <laughs> sitting there in our shorts... <laughs> having yoghurt smeared over us people Jack's, pay. Jack is wishing he hadn't interviewed me at this stage because people pay for that sort of thing yeah, yeah I know it's quite bizarre really wasn't it <laughs> it was I remember being in agony it was Sit, all... sitting on my coach both sort of yeah you could have fried stuff on us I definitely think. Was... yeah sunburn is horrific that was that was horrific it was but yeah we've had a few good old fishing sessions over the over the you mentioned um fly fishing for course fish how did how did that come about because obviously when when most people think of fly fishing, or maybe when course anglers think of fly fishing, it's immediately salmon and trout and tweed and all that uh, bollocks. But they don't necessarily think to do it for course fish. So what led you down that route? I think I just always had an interest in fishing for other species. I was a course fisherman first and foremost. Yeah. And it's funny, I got coming up to Christmas, it, it was a Christmas present originally, when I was probably about 20, long time ago now, but... Um, yeah, I wasn't sure about it at first, but I really enjoyed it, and pretty much right away, I, I, I thought, oh, I wonder if you can, wonder if you, you can catch more fish on this than just trout. You must be able to go for pike or rudd mm. or whatever. And because the game fishing around here is relatively exclusive, especially on the River X, it's um, a lot of salmon syndicates and private land. So really, the obvious place for me to go and swing a fly rod without spending a fortune wasn't on some salmon river. It was on the local canal on the. You know the scruffier bits of river on bits of urban water, and it went from there really. And you caught fish, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what was really surprising was everyone thinks, oh, that thing, oh, fly fishing. You're just making life difficult for yourself. Well, no, you're not. A lot of the time, it seemed it. You know, I'd, I'd done all sorts of methods, and quite often it was it was really worked ext- extremely well. Oh, what, as in, like, you'd maybe try yeah, bait yeah. and struggle, and then you'd give the fly go, well, perhaps. A couple and... of classic examples is. Um, the rivers here get low, like a lot of places in the summer. So a lot of the streams, the chub, for example, are really spooky. You don't want to be casting lots of tackle weights and stuff on top no, of them. Of Similarly with the canals, you get, you know, you might have four feet of water, of which three feet is weed in the summer. So what what could be better than a little weightless fly? Yeah. You know, it doesn't spook the fish. It's what they're expecting anyway. Yeah. It's the other thing, people, people think, oh, that's a, that's a bit exotic, is it? Isn't it? Well, well is it? Yeah. You, you, you'll... you'll, you'll 
you're treating them to what they're already used to feeding on, aren't you? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the most natural way of fishing there is. Do you think, not not to inflate your head, do you think that you've had like a uh, a positive impact on people fishing for course fishing? Do you think, uh, sorry, fly fishing for course. Do you think more people are doing it because of the book or do you think it's just generally more popular now or...? I think the book certainly helped. I think yeah. people people would have started to look for that anyway because, mm-hmm. for one thing, at the moment, a lot of the smaller trout fisheries are closing. Yeah, they are. I mean, yeah. there's a topical at the moment. I'm, I, I'm in dialogue with a lot of clubs, for example, and I know several now are looking to stock carp rather than trout. And that's not just because that's really? the direction... It's not just because carp are trendy at the moment. Yeah. It's because the trout really don't fare very well in hot weather. No. What's the, is it deer, deer here? Thing? Is that the classic one? It is. Dom's face is scrunching. No, 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 no. One of the thing, one of the one of the things I set out to do was get people fly fishing and enjoying it, and not have this snobby attitude like, "Oh, that's not a fly." Okay. So, yeah, that's that's a great way into the sport, actually, using you know bait style flies. But I'm always trying to wean people onto the the imitative route, just because it's so fascinating. It's so much more rewarding than than loose feeding. And then it's like in the magazines at first. Like I I read an article on Rudd a few years back, I remember, and it made steam come out of my ears because it was (laughs) one of the tips was like, wait for a natural fly hatch so you start seeing the rudd and then catapult a load of bait and it's just like why? Why not just use a fly? Yeah. You just said there's an insect (laughs) hatch. Like yeah, it, make, it makes yeah. sense. Um, and I'm the eccentric one, you know, not wanting to j- just catapult a load of yeah. fish meal in. It, it's odd, isn't it? We've got it the wrong way round, I think. Yeah, I think that makes makes perfect sense. I've, I've had carp on fly gear, and it, they do... I mean, not, and they have to be big either, do they? You know, like a an eight-pound carp on, on a oh, yeah, fly. Oh, yeah, Bloody hell, it's good fun. Yeah, it's yeah, real good yeah. Fun. And I suppose pike's taken off quite a bit, hasn't it? Pike's taken off probably more than any of the others. Carp yeah. and pike would be the two. What surprises me is that it hasn't become big or quite as big for some of the other species like mm. a chub perhaps the best example yeah I mean I fished some really tough fisheries you know you go somewhere like the um, you go to some of the really famous rivers like the Dorset Stour being a good example some of the day ticket beats packed with anglers and yet none of them using flying it's still really effective. Yeah, they've probably not seen it before either, have they? So. Well, they've seen flies, but yeah. they've not seen any of the fly rods. Yeah, yeah of it's, course. Yeah, yeah. Makes but it makes sense. sense. You've got to get out of this, our heads the idea that, oh, it's making life difficult for, for ourselves or it's a bit pointless. No, it isn't. Sometimes it really is the best method. Yeah, I can see. I, 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 I've been meaning to do it for years, but there is a canal, much like Exeter Canal near me, uh, and that's very clear, very weedy, and it has some not n- enormous rud, but they're that kind of proper yeah, yeah, golden-plated right. crimson fin rud. They're and fantastic I, oh, fish to catch. I, you know what? The rud get done dirty. I think so many people, because they've only fished commercials, and they catch these like muted, nuisance, stunted rud, yes. and they're just like throwing them back with such disdain. And yeah. I just think, you know what? If you caught one in clear water over a pound, you'd change your complete outlook to them. It's bizarre, isn't it? And, yeah. it, and it, it's, for me, it was a species that was integral to, to, to the book because I was, I was getting some really good results and just thinking this is crazy. You know, you, you get guys paying anything up to £200 and over to fish for stocked trout on a chalk stream and then, yeah. you know, you're paying like 30 quid a season to fish an overgrown canal. But the, the sport is wonderful, you know, being able to spot the fish, being able to drop a fly in front of a fish, see that fish actually take. I mean, yeah. that is real sort of premier league yeah. football for Heart me but going, isn't it? but without the silly money that you know there's a lot out there yeah that, definitely that, it does it does work i guess it's almost similar to like the rise of lrf isn't it as well like not quite the same vein but not far off like people 
using a different method for species you wouldn't normally think and that community seems to be getting bigger and bigger each each year that I, yeah, I, I keep tabs on it. I, 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 yeah, it's like when I, when I did the next book about um, blur fishing, I really felt like a lot that there were kindred spirits there. You know, mm. people like um, people like Andy Mitten, who's my co-writer, and also people like Ben Bassett, who's down the road in Plymouth from me. But there's that really nice attitude to the fishing because it's not just about catching the biggest; it's mm. about doing something that's a little bit out there, um, and and it's more about how you do it than how big it was. Yeah, there's a really nice community feel. I think um, more than any other kind of form of fishing i've noticed as well it's it seems to be very open very friendly very it is a community like if you look at some uh specimen anglers they'd sooner spit in your eye than fucking help it's, you, it's an odd one isn't it i don't want to tie them all with the same brush but sometimes no. you meet people with like really impressive lists of big fishing and they've never got a nice word to say to each other no, and no, it's just I, I don't get it i you'd think surely you'd all be best mates you know because you all do something similar and they fucking hate each other half the time yeah but yeah, LRF seems to be the exception. That's a where... great example of that. You, you know, you, you ask a question and you get an answer. You're like, oh, I really want to catch, you know, really want to catch a top knot or something mm. like this. And somebody will not only tell you like which lure or tactic to use. They'll they'll be really specific. They'll say, Oh, there's some in there's some in this marina here. And they'll be as specific as telling you like, Oh yeah, you want to count five lamp posts or groins yeah. along, and you'll, that's where you'll find a lot of them. And... Well, quite often they'll say, I'll come with you. You know, I've had, I'm not saying this for everyone. Maybe because because I'm kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> that's such a cunt thing to say. But um, <laughs> but you know, uh, joking aside, like they'll want to help me if I'm working on a project or something. But they'll often come and say, "Well, I'll I'll see if I can help you uh, get these um, fish." So well, they're, that, they're a brilliant bunch. Yeah, that was that was our last um, fishing mission in a nutshell, wasn't it, Jack? Mm. We were we were actually given. You know your X marks a spot map, weren't we? Oh, really? Of course, yeah. That was that was Brixham as well, wasn't it? Didn't get the ships yeah. that time, but yeah, we um, yeah, that no, was a good day. No, we were looking that. for a leopard leopard spot goby, mm, weren't we? That's right. It's funny. I always say it's like collecting panini stickers, and it was like all we could catch for the first hour, I think, was pouting. Oh, <laughs> and they were yeah. well, they're nice and like tackle, but after you caught, caught about twenty, the novelty wears off. It's like quick. sticker hunting, isn't it? It's yeah. like you really want to get like a Erling Haaland, but you end up with the whole of Burnley reserves instead. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but we we did because the other one I wanted that day was a rock cook, and I think you had to go. I can't remember why you had to go early, didn't you? But I, Rich Schulter came down. And then we got one. We did get yeah, a yeah. Cook- and we got a cuckoo rash. We got a cuckoo shore, rash as well. Which is, so apparently that's a rare thing from the shore. I've only ever seen them off boats, so yeah, yeah I was a little bit jealous. Jack. I was happy with that. You, but um, you've got this knack, haven't you, though, of doing things like this? You. I'm a very. Look, I'd love to say it was skill, but I'm an incredibly fluky angler. And there is maybe a little bit of skill there, but um, yeah, I'm generally pretty good at. If I want to catch a species, I'll. I'll get it eventually. I think I think what it is is because of your sort of nouse with um, you know the science side of it and the fact that you take really nice pictures of fish. I think you get a bit that opens up a few doors for me. I suspect a lot of people. Oh yeah, are, oh god, yeah. yeah a lot yeah, of people yeah. who are real fish nerds. They're like, oh, I should take Jack for that because I know for a fact I'd get an amazing photo of Possi- it. Yeah, possibly, and I think yeah, it, do, it definitely does help to have a little bit of a name. I mean, because one of the, the we had three goals that day, didn't we? Which was leopard spot, rock cook, and ring neck. Uh, ringneck blenny and i did i did eventually get a ringneck yeah. blenny in, uh well i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say somewhere in cornwall i have to work it out but someone um we, we fished all day for it and then we were fed up and it was one of those things where will pender we both know will pender yeah. an incredible angler he literally dropped a pin and he said fish against that pylon against the <laughs> wall you will get a ringneck blenny there and i was just like brilliant so will said this we fished there all day i said i don't know anywhere else let's just give it one last go 
dropped it down, yeah. got one, Magic. and me and these two other guys who were with me, we were jumping up and down, like people <laughs> eating the fish and chips, like, what the fuck it's are these mad, mad anglers doing? Jack, you're the only person I know who would charter a boat to catch a Blenny. Yeah, I did do that, <laughs> yeah. I've got a vi- there'll be, I don't know if it'll be out by the time this podcast's up, but there will be a YouTube video about that. I think Ben Bassett's doing an article in Sea Angler as well, so it's, this, this, <laughs> this session will be lived down in infamy, but yeah, I chartered a boat in he caught Wales. all sorts of stuff, though, didn't you? We got twenty-one fair. species that yeah. day. Yeah, we got all sorts. We I got... think that, I think that's absolutely brilliant. By the way, fascinating. It, 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 it's almost a rule of all fishing, though. Um, if, if you scale down your hooks, you get you get more and more species. Oh, it's the same in freshwater, isn't it? Yeah, gotcha. Like, a lot of the time, people fish these days with such strong tackle. They've only got eyes for the biggest fish, mm. but that's all you're going to get. Whereas you sometimes will catch big fish on small hooks and small lures, but anything's possible in, in the sea, like. You know, for anyone who wants to in- increase their species range, go right down. If you go down to size 20s or even 24s, yeah. Yeah, they call it a tanago, don't they? They've got these That's little... right, yeah. But you can just as easily buy very small match hooks and use fine lines. But the smaller you scale down, the, yeah. the, the bigger that range of species. The skipper uh, was a guy called Colin something, uh, Flame of Five, I think it was, out of Weymouth. He thought I was taking the piss. I said, I want to want to catch a butterfly blenny. I, I'll, I'm, I'm writing a book on, on a field guide to marine um, freshwater fish I want to feature them I can't find any pictures online can you help me and he, and he just said just pay me the deposit we'll go and have a go managed to convince seven other anglers which I think is more impressive that I, and that feat and yeah we got three on the boat that day and I caught one of them which was mad I was absolutely chuffed to death for that I was jumping up it bit me as well it really fucking hurt like, it bit my finger <laughs> that's one of the craziest things isn't it about different types of fish it's like you, you can catch a 20 pound pike yeah. and it won't lay a glove on you so to speak you catch, a, catch some tiny little 10 gram belly uh, blenny yeah. and, and it will be well up for it it yeah, will properly Tom go Pulse, for you they all have a, they've got attitude they, they, they wanted blood they yeah. wanted blood but um, that, yeah it was such a good day But and yeah working out this um, subsect of species hunting like they are um, in the most politest way fucking bonkers like you know there's um, oh, what's the guy Scott Hutchinson you know Scott Hutchinson yeah yeah, yeah. we we, um, we consulted him a bit doing the book because some of the stuff that was really out there it's quite hard to find someone who's found for a, who's yeah. caught like a tadpole fish for example yes. in a lure yeah 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 but he um, he's been doing it for a few years now and I think I think he has caught over 100 UK yeah, yeah. species and he was really lovely a really friendly yeah player. interesting he, chap and, and a fantastic like for anyone who's curious, I think his, his site is something fishy going on. Isn't yeah, it? check it out because yeah. it keeps it all on there. But um, yeah, he was a lovely bloke. But he came on the Blenny boat because he hadn't caught one. He and he got one as well. So I was so chuffed. Yeah. He literally travelled from where I can't remember where he lives in Scotland. I think it's somewhere around the kind of Glasgow Edinburgh area. Yeah. And he came all the way down to Dorset just for this Blenny. Yeah. So I thought even though I'm desperate, I thought even this guy's more desperate than me. He, and he got one. So I was so happy that he uh, got one of these kind of random ass little Blennies. <laughs> But hats off to him. He was he was pleased with that. It was a good uh, good session. Um, you know, you're writing a book. Are you thinking about books at the minute, or are you taking a I'm, I'm break? I'm taking from a it breather, or? really. I mean, yeah. the last one was that hooked on lure fishing mm. guide to species hunting of laws. I'm, yeah, I've, I've got a few ideas in the pipeline. It's just yeah, it, 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 there's a lot to writing a book. It's not something you launch into lightly. But I've got a no. few ideas. Yeah, and I make it sound like you just go, "Well, I'm just going to write a book." It's not as simple as that. You've got to kind of convince someone. You've got to plan and, it. You've yeah. got to. You unless you're going to go it alone, you've got to convince yeah. a publisher that there's a market for it and tell yeah. them how you're going to promote it. Have you ever self-published? You ever done any of those? I have. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You got you got my book of um, got my book of um, you know sort of greatest hits thing with loads of my sort of 
Crooked Why Lines. Ross was Crooked Lines. Is that yeah. self-published? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a great. By the way, if anyone... that's a bit of flattery that you didn't know it was self-published. It was. It, well, I say self-published, but it was with a little team of people. Okay. The team behind Fallon's Angler, basically. Did, did... No, oh, no. Okay. Garrett okay. Fallon's who's the layout guy. So he he's oh. the reason it looks looks. Good. He's a character. <laughs> I love Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> Met him. Um, not too long ago, but yeah, I, I didn't know that. Have you, do you still? Oh, in fact, I say these. I can see a copy, a few copies down here. Well, if anyone, you know, wants a kind of an alternative, and I mean that in a very positive way, book for anglers for Christmas, definitely get Crooked Lines. It's, it's got um, everything. I, I, I think I don't want to blow my own trumpet too much, but I think whatever <laughs> kind of angling you enjoy, there'll be something in there that makes you yeah. laugh. Um, there's there's everything from from ice fishing in Norway to fishing some real backwater urban rivers in this country. I've seen to remember you uh, sitting on like sorts. a couch in a river. Yeah, sort of, that's on, on the back, is it? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's, um, and you've you've got um, Zig. Was it the mad- madness of King Zig? Yeah, the there's the, the, the Zig Gregorex, and they had to be in there really. He yeah. he's so. I remember kind of seeing him. Ra- he'd sporadically pop up on uh, Ang- uh, Matt Hayes programs every now and again, like the nineties and early two thousands. And I remember just seeing him and thinking, like, is he a character or is he a real person? And then. Eventually, fish anglers paradise. Like, oh no, this is just this is just who he is. Him and his bloody <laughs> what? What do we compare his wine to? Like, it's like toilet stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Be careful, he might listen to this. Oh, yeah. No, what he says when you turn up is like, boys, I'm going to treat you to some of the finest wine in the world. I'm making him sound a bit League of Gentlemen there, but yeah. and you drink <laughs> it, and you, you're politely like, mm, yeah, that's um, that's interesting. I think like two glasses and you're hammered, aren't you? Really, you go blind in one eye. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> saying they use it to they use it to get street al- alcoholics off. Business. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it's a lovely place. It is, a, it is a great place. I love it. Uncle I Zig is brilliant fun, isn't he? And yeah, he's, he's worth every penny. And you've got you have got to have a glass or two of that if you're there. It's yeah. just like just don't drive anywhere. Obviously, no. no. <laughs> it's because it's such a strange place, isn't it? Angler's Paradise in that like. It's a commercial fishery, but then some of the lakes are almost kind of very well established. They've got trees around them. They've been there for 30, 40 years. So it's I really a, like it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good example that, you know, your so-called commercially dug lakes, they don't have to be just a load of bare mud and platforms no. and stuff. It's a really good example of that. You know, I've seen barn owls hunting there when I've been fishing in the evening. They keep all the grass you know the verges and things really lush there's, there's a lot of wildlife at that side yeah there is yeah it's it's always a pleasure to go and I think if it's I, I just sounds like I'm ad, I'm not I should just point out Zig's not bunged me 20 quid to say all this I'm just saying it off the top but no they've, yeah. they've, they've, they've I think they've won an award for it before. oh have they have yeah they really? yeah, yeah for, um, for supporting the, the wildlife yeah. but if you're say if, well. you're, if you're the, the, the dad or whoever wants to go fishing there's plenty there for the family as well isn't there and, you know, there's a pool and it's just just a beautiful part yeah. of, part of Devon really I'm a I'm very proud sort of adopted Devonian but for me like the, the most beautiful part of our county is the north the south of Devon is becoming very very congested and overdeveloped these days sorry Devon tourist border whoever but it's true <laughs> we're just sort of it's almost like we're removing the reason people come here in the first place it's just so much development but if you go to the north Devon just don't tell everyone yeah it's beautiful up there Exmoor absolutely wonderful um, waters meet I love it's absolutely incredible fly fishing there for £3.50 a day I went to <laughs> but there's so much fishing up there that's untapped you know great coastline yeah. Yeah. if you like your walking and stuff it's it's where you get your proper wilderness in Devon now the north is the unspoiled bit where, where did we go fly fishing that time at, at North Dev was it Dartmoor or something we, we went for like little wild brownies can you remember we, we did yeah I took you to I took you on several of the Dartmoor rivers places like the Cherry Brook yeah. and the West Dart 
Because that was gorgeous, and we were the only anglers there. I don't think we bumped into any other anglers, did we? We had it to ourselves pretty much. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, a good shout for anybody who lives or visits Devon is um, the Fish Pass app. That's that's what we used. It's you get loads of really good fishing. It's like a token system. You basically just scan your you know QR code off your phone and okay. Or anyone who thinks fly fishing is expensive and exclusive, well, it doesn't have to be. It's all of the fishing on their books is between like six and fifteen quid a day. Oh, got you. Can't grumble at that because we had. I mean, nothing big, but they were stunning wild fish, weren't they? Like we and we did. Um, wasn't quite tenkara. I can't remember. This, you probably know the name of it. It's where you like. You fish in rapids and you fish a little... Yeah, we were doing what you call pocket water fishing. That's it, So yeah. using slightly bigger flies, sedges and things. Okay. And fishing the really kind of boisterous bits of water around yeah. the boulders. boulders. It's one of my favourite things. It's Well, before that day, I mean, I, I I knew there'd be fish there, but I'd never think to fish it. So yeah. that was a real learning curve for me because I was like, that is incredible. I can't remember if we caught... Maybe I think maybe you caught. But they're quite explosive when they do... This go. is one thing everyone who comes fishing with me on the guided trips on Dartmoor and Exmoor, a lot of them get from the day. Um, you catch from spots, but a lot of people would walk past and you just mm. look at the rushing water and you think, oh, there's no chance. That's, that, that's not fishable. It's just like tanking through. But yeah. it's just great fishing. You find like a little spot no bigger than a dinner plate of shelter or of stiller water amongst all the rough stuff. And because it's all tumbling about and the trout don't get long to study the fly, you get real smash takes as yeah, well. Yeah, of course, yeah. Because they, really... they, can't, they can't afford to fish, no. can they? They've got to either they don't take it or they don't and eat. you don't have to fish fine and delicate. You know, mm. you can step up your, your tackle a little bit, your tip it a little bit and, and go bigger, bushier flies that are easier to see. So it's great fun. Yeah, I did enjoy that. And I guess that's... I suppose Dartmoor's perfect for it as well, isn't it? Yes, mm. yeah. I can't remember, where's the other place I went read? Burrital. Do you know Burrital? You ever fish Yeah, there? I know Burrital. gorgeous. It's a great fishery. Oh, it's a bit of a... I mean, I'm sort of spoiling it by publicising it on a podcast, but it was gorgeous. We were the only anglers there. No, we and, want uh, people to fish it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a stay open. Yeah. I, I, don't tell me now. I'm going to take a wild guess, Jack. I think you might have been there because it has got some invasive species, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I was doing an invasive species survey and uh, it is riddled with crayfish. Yeah. There's a lot of crays in there. Allegedly, um, it's because that, that's the reason why you get some really big brown trout there. Oh, been okay. toying in my mind with this idea of going there with some actual crayfish imitation fly yeah. patterns. Yeah. I think you go a long time between bites, but there's... You know, there if you got one, people have caught browns of eight pounds plus. There, I didn't know that because we we um, saw we mainly caught rainbows, which I think were yeah, they're, stopped, they're stopped in there. But um, but we did see uh, we, the other guy on the boat got one wild brownie, and we did get wild brownies on the camera, and they were they were gorgeous. Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, not colourful, but kind of deep golden browns and stuff. Yeah, like the typical moorland fish, they are kind of dark. Often. Yeah. I can imagine an eight-pound one of those looking pretty. Oh, pretty no, it's, it's a lovely venue that Burrito. Yeah, it was good, it was good really, venue because I've been I've been doing work on lots of reservoirs and most of them are just sort of big bowls, really not particularly pretty. But that one was yeah, that was stunning. That was a bit of a surprise. I was like, oh, this is actually quite um, this is actually quite nice. So you you mentioned your work with with angling time. So you you've got a page in the back, and is that can you decide what you want to do? Are they free reign? Or? More or less. I always try and sneak other things in there. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, lucky no in lucky. a way. You know, I'm not I'm not the match champion or the specimen no. genius guy. I'm, I'm the one who gets to throw a bit of a curveball, really, and, yeah. and hopefully surprise people each week. So I, I try and sneak some other stuff in there. Yeah. I try and make it a bit warts and all, because, like, you know, you get some brilliant anglers, obviously, right for the times. But, you know, I, I also write about the sessions where everything goes wrong or... 
all, all the things that are just a little bit out there like like species hunting like searching yeah. for a really unusual fish or yeah trying a method that's a bit off the wall I'm, i think that's good though because it must be a thing um with, with angling mags i don't want to i don't want to lose your job but things must get pretty repetitive there's only so many ways you can chuck a waggler out isn't yeah there? Or, or and all that sort of i mean i suppose it's whether people have seen it before or they're new to it or whatever I, but yeah i guess with I, I your don't know i'm always I, i'm always a bit skeptical of people who say oh there's nothing new in fishing it's yeah I, I kind of think things are always changing. Yeah, there's always yeah, something yeah. new. There's always news that is. is yeah, different. that's true. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it always surprises you. You know, sometimes in the in the bits of the year that are slow, you're just like, oh my god, what are we going to write about next week? And something always comes up. Something interesting always comes up. <laughs> there's always some. Well, weren't you saying recently there was a, a competition? Is it was it best? What's the competition for angling times? What do they call it? Oh, the Drennan Cup. Is that is that what it is? So, and that's where people submit a specimen. It's, it's basically or? big fish of all species except carp. Except carp. Okay, that's the carp. Don't really feature in the Drennan Cup uh, officially because, well, it's just because carp gets so much coverage, and we've got a carp section. Got yeah. Anyway, okay. so is it is that public now? The winner. Um. Yeah. It yeah. Is. Yeah. Okay. So we could talk about it. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's a set. Well, that, that's kind of done dusted. It's a separate thing now. We've, we've, we're just on the cusp of the awards. In fact, I think they're just being announced today. So there's all sorts. There's, okay. There's you know specimen angler of the year, the match angler of the year, stuff. Got yeah, got yeah. But you were saying was that a Chubbs one or something? Yeah, Chubb won fish of the year. I think it's eight pounds two, eight pound four. Yeah, I mean that, that's a it's a big chub. I get that. But what what I'm trying to think what some, we were talking about this earlier. What would some of the, there was a four pound roach as a contender. There was a really big roach yeah, from linear fisheries, I believe. Right, and you were saying people get a bit snobby with sometimes, some, some, sometimes, still a cracking fish, isn't well, it? This is this is one of the things I've never understood really with with anglers weighing fish or, or weights of fish, and like like a four pound roach anywhere, that's an impressive creature. Yeah. So just because it's not in a river, why 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 would well, you shun that? I, I guess I guess the thinking is that. It's been artificially boosted a bit with anglers' baits, but the same is true in a lot of rivers now. You know? It is, but I guess if you follow that train of thought, though, you wouldn't count R- Reservoir Pike because the only reason they're so big is they're eating stock well, trout. I don't. Know. That's a much wider conversation, really, Jack. I, yeah. I, I think we've got it all a bit skewed, to be honest. It's like you look at some specimen fish as well. And it's it's not always a sign of a very healthy water. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes fish get big because there's not a lot of competition. Like gravel pit fish, there's not a huge head of fish, so the ones that do survive can get really big because they're not they're not competing with thousands of other fish for the same food. No, I'm I'm um, actually really glad you brought that up because it's a really important point, and I, and it's something that's not really brought up in specimen fishing. But yeah, that's precisely why a lot of these fish get so big because it's either poor habitat, yeah. so they're not recruiting predation, so the little ones aren't coming through, or, or you know whatever reason. But specimen fish get big because there's more food for them, and there's not a lot coming up. And yeah, I think I think it's so, not always a bad thing, but it's something to be aware of. Yeah, we love to see the biggest fish, but if, you know, like you'll you'll know better than me, like coming from a scientific sort of angle, that healthy water has fish of all sizes. It doesn't yeah. just have a handful of huge barbel and, and no. nothing much coming up. And it's partly why our ecosystems have been vulnerable. Yeah. You know, we don't want to light the touch paper again on the otter debate perhaps, but actually no. some of the predation is a good example of that. If you've got a river with only a few very big fish, that is really vulnerable to predation. Yeah. You only have to knock out a few of those fish and suddenly there's a huge difference and you don't have anything coming up behind well I guess the the, the real world example of that would be some a river like the Wensum for example yeah. where there, it was known for big barbel 
they weren't recruiting for for whatever reason habitat I assume yeah barbel uh, otters came along ate those big barbel or at least hammered down the population and they're not there now or they're very yeah. they're very they're not common on the I don't know much about the Wensum now but as far as I'm aware I mean it's not a noted barbel river now is it it's not no it's it's really sad and the roach are, are really long gone there That's yeah talked to spoken to a few people we've re- reported on that I mean there there is work going to try and improve things trouble with anglers is they want a quick fix and um, mm. they often think stock the fish or yeah. um, kill all the predators and neither of those things is magically going to restore a river no it's, it, you've got to put in those hard yards you've got to make the habitat better definitely everyone's yeah. always actually, anglers get I don't know. The online world has just turned into a bit of a bear pit, to be honest, Jack. People jump on things, and they'll even jump on people trying to make things better, which I, you know, I'm an ex-angling trust employee, and it was always like, what are you... You know, in, in the same way that people will want to strangle Greta Thunberg but not say anything about Donald Trump. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> There's this weird modern world we live in where people just want to jump on anything, it's, even it's the people who want to help them. But, no, yeah. coming back to what we were talking about, it just needs those hard yards putting in. But habitat loss is, is is just mega with I, fisheries at the moment. And I, I think it's one of the the biggest thing. If you know, if you if you're a fishing club listening to this, or if you're a fishery owner, I think it's one of the best things you can do. And it's relatively, you know, I say cheap, but not too much of an expense. Put more habitat in. If those fish yeah. fry have got somewhere to shelter from, because the predators will bugger off if they can't yeah. get. But those fish fry just have a chance to get yeah. bigger. In fact, I've just been speaking to a really good club in um in Alcester in. A, in um, sort of West Midlands, and they're okay. ju- they're just in the process. It's the River Arrow. Okay. They're just in the process at the moment of restoring some of their backwaters. Part of the problem is these rivers get so low for a lot of the years, and a lot of the interconnecting channels and things just get completely cut off. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I know it's what the Avon Roach project has been big on as well, reopening all these back channels, fry areas. Yeah. It's like. It, sometimes anglers it doesn't appeal to them because it takes a long time and you've got to put in that hard work yeah. to do it but ultimately that's how that's the only way you can get sustainable fishing back on a lot of these places it's i think so it's a case you know not enough sunken trees and things like that you know people think oh it looks a bit messy or i'm going to get snagged in that but you'll get snagged in it because that's where the fish are <laughs> i think i think we i think we're coming full circle hopefully on that i mean yeah. in the bad old days a lot of clubs would do things like take out trees because yeah, anglers don't want to get river caught or, them, but, you know. but i think the opposite should be should be true now i think I, it's getting there it is getting there i think yeah um, it's, ju- it's just it's just a shame really that the ea don't have more 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 clout and more money to do things but, it, but a lot a lot of the best work has been done by angling clubs you know yeah sort of um, it's sort of getting to the point where if you want something done, do it yourself. Yeah. But, because the EA get a lot of shit, don't they? At the they minute. do. And you know, some. Of, I'm not saying it's all unwarranted, but I feel like the the spending cuts with EA has been massive. I think the last ten years or something. You know. <coughs> cough, cough. Yeah, Liz Trust. Thanks very much. <laughs> Silly bitch. Like, just slash the budget, and then everyone. No one blames Liz Trust, do they? They no. they will just think like, oh, the EA don't do nothing. Yeah. Well, they do quite a lot, really, with them. It's the same with the Angling Trust. They, Actually, for the amount of money they get, they do quite a lot. Yeah, no, exactly. They, they, they do a lot of good work. But yeah, it, it's just sad to see, um, sort of trying to trying to do a difference, and you can they can only work with what they got, I guess, can't they? They, the they can, and a lot of these armchair critics on social media, it just you know, they'll shout from the rooftops. But a lot of them have done bugger all squared for fishing, frankly, and and actually, it needs more people to pitch in. Yeah, and and you know, get their hands dirty for want of a, a better phrase. Well, you, cause you, um, you raised a great point. Um, so 
when I when I had the premiere of Britain's Hidden Fishes and you, you came along to the audience and we had the Q and A and people were talking about um, what can they do to make a difference and you, mm. you 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 have to correct me was it something like the NHS was the most talked about topic and then pollution after or something pollution is like now second in a lot of the rural constituencies apparently it's shot right up and it's yeah. largely due to the appalling you know oh. Could be all. It could be a separate podcast, Jack. Could be here <laughs> all day. We've done five you know, or six on on sewage and stuff, so it's, it's not new. <laughs> it's just just crazy, you know. Yeah. The, the, the billions, tens of billions of pounds, like wasted and paid out to shareholders, and not a, not a single reservoir built, new reservoir built in thirty years yeah. to help with water supply, which is a big pressure on our rivers. Of course, yeah. Uh, just you know, over a quarter of our water supply is still lost because of piss poor infrastructure. Mm. It just. just and they have the audacity to, you know, threaten to up our water prices. <sighs> it's know. just, it, it is coming to a head now. It, it finally feels like there's enough people there really holding their feet to the fire. And it's about bloody time. Yeah, it, it's it, definitely more well known. Because there was that narrative, wasn't there, for years, which our rivers have never been cleaner. And I noticed that uh, no one's saying that anymore. <laughs> That's no, gone very quiet no. on that front, which um, I think is completely, completely right. It, it's just absolutely scandalous what is what, what's happened. It's yeah. just absolutely scandalous, and, and the fact that they now want to us all to pay for it. By the by, the by though, I think you know cheap water is a bit of a false economy. Sometimes I'd gladly pay a bit more if I knew it was all going to go yeah. into things that well, help. Haven't we got some of the cheapest water in Europe or something? Is it fi- I can't remember the exact figure, but we've got very very <coughs> cheap water compared to many other countries. But the difference is. You know their their water infrastructure is a lot better. Yeah. Because that money is going back into it, and whereas our you know we're just lining. But it, some it, it is some of it is real. We couldn't make it up stuff. You know the way the way successive governments have been waving the the Union Jack while patriotically selling off everything. <laughs> you know who 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 owns British water companies at the moment? Well, I'll tell you a couple of the couple of the big stakeholders. The Chinese Communist government is one of them. Part of Southern Water is owned by the Malaysian royal family. You know, thanks for that. Thank you for that, Margaret Thatcher and all of you, all of you dickheads who came after. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. What we should do is in, in proper penalties for water companies polluting, um, and if they don't come and clean up their act, run them into the ground, and then we'll buy them back when the shares are worth bugger all. But, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we need to renationalise water, though. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, it, is, it is getting to a, a just... I don't know how bad it needs to get before... There's well, a, hopefully it doesn't well yeah. There's a new headline every week, isn't yeah, it? You know, Thames is. money, Thames water alone might run out of money next year. They're, they're really? already saying. Is that right? Pretty much all of the big water companies have been un- under investigation. Yeah, they're just which is so. great. But what what do we do next? Yeah, of course, it is it is a big thing. What what can people do on a more local level? Do you think then, like in terms of any? Because you were saying it's more of a political thing, is it? Like if you're Put, kind of put pressure on your MPs, that sort of thing. Or? Well, I think with an election year coming up, that's really important. Mm. Just, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're gonna... Ask the question to your local MP and just say, like, look, we want we want you to prioritise the health of, of waterways, and, yeah. and if you don't, you're out here. Yeah, because that's the nice thing with angling is I would say that angling's kind of led the charge on that because obviously there's so many there can be so many negative connotations about anglers and and all that side of things. But I think one of the great things that whether it's the angling trust, whether it's the yeah. angling clubs. 
we've definitely got a positive view and that we are kind of fighting this. Yeah, there's loads of things. I mean, that is a really basic thing you can do. Join the Angling Trust. Mm. All these people making excuses because they made a decision or they had a policy they didn't like. They didn't, They wish they were tougher on otters. Whether stop taking one selfish little bit of policy and look at the big picture. Yeah. You know, even if you even if you're not a huge fan of the Angling Trust, by joining them, you're supporting Fish Legal. Fish Legal. You know, you lose count of the big cases that they've won, and they 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 they're really. They're the only people really taking the polluters to task at the moment, you know. Didn't they have a big Start backing recently? these people. They did. Yeah, fish legal. They're they a good. Yeah. They did. Group. They actually um, on a particular uh, a particular stream. They um, you know they, they took them to task. They, they they unearthed the fact that not only was it poor practice, it was actually illegal what had been done. You know that that there no proper plans in place to improve things at all. Well, I, I suppose while it's cheaper and more effective to pollute they're going to keep doing it so i guess the yeah. more times they get taken to court or there's repercussions you'd like to think the cogs will turn and they'll maybe not do it there, there's a massive thing there it's going to take massive amounts of money and infrastructure improvements and that 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 could take a long time yeah yeah i think so I think but it's, uh, yeah we've got to keep the pressure on yeah i think, I think keep the right, pressure I think. on well, I think before we go, because I really know we've got to pick up your um, your kiddie wink soon. I'm going to do a quick quick fire questions. Okay, all right. You're <laughs> but like like mastermind. We're going to just rattle some off. Okay. Uh, favorite fish? Pike. Is it pike? Yeah, I'm not that shocked by that. Uh, angling hero? Ooh, Dick Walker. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, me- uh, favorite method? Fly fishing. Yeah, it's not too big of a shock, is it? Uh, favorite angling book? Ooh, no, that's really hard. I can only pick one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> Ooh, that's really hard. I think um, I think Chris Yates' The Secret Carp is... A, is yeah, that's pretty pretty up there. Um, it's a lovely book, yeah. Most memorable fish capture? Ooh, again, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of these on the fly, so... <laughs> I, I, I think the capture of a canal rudd last summer of two pounds ten ounces you know nationally not a vast fish but for me that is that's big no, it's a leviathan and that I've, I've been looking for that fish for you know 15 years or so that, that is, is the that, fish it, of it, uh, Exeter that, Canal, are you happy to say where it was no okay, it's, not, right. it's not Exeter Canal okay alright but yeah but yeah it was a fish that you it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a fish I've been after for years and years and, and a very rare beastie indeed good colours on it like we were saying earlier absolutely or? stunning yeah have you got a picture you have to show me that I've bit. got a picture of yeah. it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no just, no, just, just, just fucking hoofed it back <laughs> just hoofed it back with a second thought check <laughs> give it a quick boot <laughs> oh look well it's always a pleasure chatting to you mate and been good no likewise jack thanks and yeah keep up the good work cool that was dom garnet it is great to chat to him any any excuse and the stuff we talked about there is the kind of stuff that we'd be talking about if we're sat on the riverbank fishing for you know roach or whatever whatever we happen to be doing at the time we've had some some good times over the years the audio is a little bit echoey in that but we're in an office you know there's not a lot we can we can do about that sort of stuff I sometimes I worry quite a lot about the audio on the pod, and then other times I just think, "Oh fuck it!" As long as it's as long as it's listenable, I don't I don't worry too much about it. It doesn't seem to affect the numbers. People still seem to enjoy the uh, enjoy the pod. So one thing I wanted to talk about, and is potentially some exciting news, is about doing a live shows. So I got approached by Bird Fair the other day to do a live show at the Rutland Bird Fair, which unsurprisingly happens at Rutland. So they had a podcast tent last year, and I went along as a punter. They actually kind of just threw me off. I didn't want to do a podcast, but they 
they hang shied me into being a guest on, on somebody else's. Um, I'm floating the idea with people who listen. Would you be interested in a live show? So this would either be at Rutland Bird Fair and they've got a podcast tent. You go, you get guests on and you have a live audience. I like the idea of it. I think it's an interesting concept. I'm worried that Bird Fair is maybe not ready for me <laughs> um, because of just how the podcast can be sometimes. And I'm not sure that they want me, you know, calling cats cunts on, you know, a, a Sunday afternoon, whether that would go down well. Um, and also, I don't want to do it for the sake of it. So it would have to be a, um, a good pod. It'd have to be a, a guest that I couldn't get normally or some kind of interesting concept. So I'm open to it. But also, I just want to kind of feel out people who listen to the pod. Would that be of interest to you, a live show? The other option is that I just do a live show somewhere else. I quite like the idea of hiring out a pub and setting up a stage, getting like selling tickets, not a huge amount, but selling tickets, and doing a live show at, at, at a pub, at an event, and doing something like that. But if there's interest, I'll do it. So if you are interested in that sort of thing, just chuck us a, a message on, you know, however you can reach out to me. You, you, there's enough social media channels and whatever. And and maybe in the new year, I, I could arrange a live show or two. And if there's enough interest, maybe even take the pod on tour. Um, chances are it would probably be in the East Midlands just because that's easiest for me. But, you know, if there's enough interest elsewhere in the country, I'd certainly be open to, to taking the pod on tour. All the usual stuff. If you can leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast, that helps us out and it's free to do. And of course, if you can share the podcast and give us a follow on social media, that is greatly appreciated. On Instagram, I'm at FishTwitcher. On Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called now, I am Jack Perks Photo. And on Facebook, I'm Jack Perks Wildlife Media. YouTube is Chasing Scales. And you can now see a new angling series that I've released called uh, Chasing Sales, funnily enough, and it's a species hunt where I'm trying to catch a 100 different species in the UK. There's already a few episodes out that you can watch on YouTube for free. This has been the Bearded Tits Podcast. I've been your host, Chat Perks, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Cheers. <laughs>